You can turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. There was a story about a rather legalistic seminary student who wanted to have a scriptural basis and a word to stand on for everything that he did. He felt he was on solid ground as long as he could quote a Bible verse that backed up whatever it was he was going to do. You'll need to uh, throw the switch on the box that's in front of you. A little tiny uh, square box. That'll do it. There, got it now? Good. <laughs> We're missing a lot of folks here this morning, and so Bruce is filling in back there on our soundboard, which we do appreciate. But anyway, he felt he was on solid ground as long as he could quote some kind of a scripture, some kind of a Bible verse that supported what it was that he, that he uh, had to do. Well, he was doing okay with everything until he fell in love with this beautiful co-ed. Story went that he wanted very much to kiss her. But he just couldn't find a scripture that he could stand on that would motivate such behavior. And so every night he'd walk her to her dorm... And he just uh, would wrestle with this and then he'd finally just say goodnight and he'd go on. And this went on for months. And finally he, uh, he saw a scripture that he thought would work. Word of God said, greet each other with a holy kiss. But just to make sure, he decided to take it to his Greek professor. And he took it to his, his professor there and, and he showed it to him. He says, well, I really don't think that's going to be speaking about a dating situation. It's more speaking about a church situation. And so he was once again back into the same position he was before. They were out on a date again. And he, again, at the end of the date, walked her up to the dorm and was saying goodnight. He was still wrestling with all this. But again, he didn't have any scripture to stand on. And so he, he didn't. And all of a sudden, she grabbed him and planted a 10-second kiss on him. <laughs> Well, at the end of the kiss, the seminary student kind of gulped for air and he stammered, he's, Bible verse, Bible verse. <laughs> and the girl grabbed him a second time and kissed him again. And then after she got done kissing him, she said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Well, we're still on reigning in life and we're talking about reigning with a good conscience. It's good to be able to do things with a good conscience, isn't it? <laughs> Even if it is just kissing your girlfriend at night to say goodbye to her at the dorm. <laughs> Matthew chapter 12. We're going to pick up at verse 22. Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind, and mute. And Bruce, if you need any help over there. You got it? Okay. Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind, and mute, and he healed him so that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. So this guy had all kinds of trouble. He's blind, he's mute, plus he's got a demon. And all the multitudes were amazed and said, Could this be the son of David? Let me translate that for you. This is Messiah talk. Could this be the Messiah? That's what they're wondering. They're not just wondering this is the son of David in general, because David had a lot of sons. They're wondering this is the son of David. Now, when the Pharisees heard it, heard what? Their Messiah talk. 
They're talking, this might, this might be the Messiah. This might be the guy that we've been waiting for. When the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself will not stand. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house? He who is not with me is against me and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Now we have more to get into in this passage, but let's take a look at this part of it first. We got the uh, house divided. We have unclean spirits that we're talking about here as well as the uh, healing. But I want to focus more on the unclean spirit because that's what the Pharisees were focusing, focusing on. And it come, becomes the main, main part of the Jesus' message here. So the, the uh, thing that went on here, I mean, they've seen all kinds of stuff these multitudes have, but this one just really astounded them. Of course, they probably knew the guy and that helped. But they were quite amazed at this. And the Pharisees don't like all this authority, all this Messiah talk being brought about Jesus. So they questioned his authority. Now, it's said in the passage, look what it says in the passage. Now, when the Pharisees heard it, they what? They said. When the Pharisees heard it, they, the Pharisees, said. They said some things to the multitudes. But look what it says here in verse 25. But Jesus knew their... Why does it say that Jesus knew their thoughts when they said to the multitude? Isn't our focus on this, on what they said? But Jesus is turning the focus onto what they thought. So what he says answers not just what they said, but what they thought. I think that's part of the reason why we've had trouble with this passage. It's because we've looked at what they said. We didn't understand he was addressing what they thought. Verse 31. Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. What is he talking about here? We have a term for it, the unpardonable sin. Right? Isn't that what we call it? The sin that can't be pardoned? Is that not what he's speaking about here? Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. 
What is blasphemy against the Spirit? Verse 32. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. So there he defines it for us. But what's this have to do? I remember Jesus is always teaching in context. He does not get off context. He's not like Paul, who has little rabbit trails that he follows. Peter, or John, John, excuse me, Jesus, he is, he is true to topic, probably better than any teacher you'll see in the New Testament. He stays on that topic. So you can understand some of the hard things Jesus does by staying on topic and not going off. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him. Now, look, let's go back to the story here, what they said. The Pharisees, this fellow does not cast out demons except by, what? Beelzebub. By Satan. By Satan's kingdom. Look at Jesus' answer. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. Here's the big one. But if I cast out demons by what? Whom does Jesus say he cast out demons by? The Spirit of God. Go back over here, verse 32. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man shall be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Holy Spirit. Again, they said to the congregation that was there, Jesus knew their... What He is saying here is that the sin of the blaspheme against the Holy Spirit is knowingly taking what is done by God and attributing it to something else. To take what is done by God and to represent it as being done by something else. That is the blaspheme of the Holy Spirit. Now, before we get into, the, into all that, there's, we'll go into the other section of Scripture that talks about this over in Hebrews. So if you want to fill in your outline there, blaspheme against the Holy Spirit is to attribute His works to Satan. Hebrews 6, 4 and 6. I know we got some other blanks in there and I'll fill them out for you. Hebrews 6, 4 through 6. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put Him to an open shame. What they do is they are operating. We've gone over this list before and showed you things. They are operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They are operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of God actually comes through and works through them. And then they say, it is not of God. And they walk away from it. It's the same thing that what Jesus was teaching. So the two passages are actually in agreement there. That is the unpardonable sin. To see this is the work of God, but I can't have that be the work of God. That's going to take away from my power. That's going to take away from my influence. It's going to take away from my goal. It's going to take away from what I need to do. So I need to show it as being something else. 
And that's what the Pharisees were doing. They could see the good work that Jesus was doing, but that was taken away from their message. That was taken away from their power and their authority. And they couldn't have that. So we must attack that authority, even though we think it's from, we can probably be assured it's from God, we can't recognize that in front of the people. We must put that down. We must show it as being something else. And that's what they do. So they start this rumor around there. And they say, he cast out demons by the power of Beelzebub. You know why it says he knew their thoughts? Because they didn't think that. They only said it. Their thoughts were different. And because their thoughts were different and they knew better, but they said this for the purpose of deceiving people and getting them to to degrade the things of God, that is the unpardonable sin. And that's what he's teaching them. That's why he teaches on the unpardonable sin in that passage and why he does it in the way that he does it. So Jesus' authority in this area is questioned, focusing on the demon, not so much the healing. They were focusing on the demon. That was the area. Jesus says that He cast out demons by the Spirit of God. And that's why He focuses on the blaspheme being the Spirit of God. He is basically saying this, you can say anything you want to against me and you'll be fine. But if you attack the Spirit of God, the one who empowers me to do what I do, and empowers others to do what they do, now you're in trouble. Now you have got trouble. I don't know if I put this in your outline. I had it down in my notes earlier, and I think I, uh, I left it off. So I'm just going to have to tell it to you, and you can go back there and look it up for yourself and make sure that what I'm telling you is, is true. Remember when Judas betrayed Jesus? And he... he um, he didn't, he didn't create the, or, or, or do the unpardonable sin because he didn't speak against the Holy Spirit. He came against Jesus. What did Jesus say about coming against him? That would be forgiven. But after they had taken him captive and they were leading him away to be killed, he had remorse about it. And the Word of God says that he came under condemnation and remorse. And he went back to them and he says, here's your money. This isn't working out the way I wanted and they said, we really don't care what you have, what you think, what kind of remorse you have. We have nothing to do with you. And he took the money and just threw it. And then the Word of God says that Judas went out and hung himself. Because he felt like, oh, this is, it's over. But Judas had not committed the unpardonable sin. He said, anything that you say and do against the Son will be forgiven. It's what you do against the Holy Spirit. But he got into condemnation over it. And felt like there's no hope. And he died. He committed suicide. And probably went on to hell. Because he was in an un unrepentant state and such things. But anyway, that's not for us to decide. That's management. As is often said, we're in sales. We let management take care of management issues. And when he, uh, his issues already been settled. And we don't have to try and sell it for him. But then he goes on here, verse 33. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. Broad of vipers, who's he speaking to? 
Pharisees, we're still talking about them. How can you, being evil, speak good things? Why are they evil? Because they will speak against the Holy Spirit even when they recognize His hand at work. So He says, you're evil. So no matter what words you speak, they're evil. A tree is known by its fruit, right? In the same way, we, we people, men, women, whoever, we are known by our words. We are known by our words. Brought of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil things. But I say to you, that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. Every idle word. That basically means lazy and... So I looked up the word and idle is a good translation of it. But I have a another one for you to help you out with it. Because sometimes we're thinking, oh, I was just joking around. That's going to hang around for eternity. Moreover, this is the Weiss translation. I say to you, every word which men shall speak, which has no legitimate work, which is an inoperative and thus morally useless and unprofitable, they shall give account of in the day of judgment. For by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. In other words, just be careful what you say. Don't speak against the things of the Holy Spirit. You know, that's why we tell you, you know, there's people out there that are, are doing things. How many of y'all know Billy Graham did some good things for God? But his way of doing things was different than Benny Hinn. And his ways were different than um, uh, Creflo Dollar, Fred Price, Brother Copeland. They all operate a little bit differently. And, and uh, Charles Stanley, he operates a little bit differently than they do. They're all operating differently. But don't get in there and speak evil what the Holy Spirit is doing. You don't need to mess with it. Leave them alone. If you don't like Brother Stanley, don't turn them on. But don't sit there and speak about him. Oh, he's no good. Oh, he doesn't believe this and he doesn't do that. Is he getting people saved? Is he helping people? Glory to God. Let him help people. Maybe he's helping people differently from how you would help people. That's fine. It's a big body of Christ. We don't all have it right yet. <laughs> but they're getting, getting me on Billy Graham. He's getting people saved. Not anymore, of course, but when he was alive and functioning, he got, got people saved. I thought Billy Graham died. Who did? His wife passed away. His wife passed away. That's who it was. I was thinking it was him. So he's still around here. There you go. All right. We'll still let him be around then. Uh, but, you know, Billy Graham crusade is different from a Benny Hinn crusade. And uh, that Benny Hinn is different from a Rodney Howard Brown crusade. And some of them you may say, I don't like that one. Well, then don't go. But don't sit there and start saying, well, I don't like this. Because you could be found speaking against the things of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's not the unpardonable sin. That's just getting us. The unpardonable sin is recognizing it. That is the Holy Spirit and then putting it down. Okay? Please understand that. <laughs> it's not just cutting down other ministers, though you shouldn't do it. And it's bad. 
It's bad to cut down other ministers. It's bad to cut down other believers. It's bad to cut down other people that are in the body of Christ. Don't do it. It's just not good to do, period. We shouldn't be out that way. But if you did, thank God it's not the unpardonable sin. The unpardonable sin is recognizing the hand of God. Recognize, you have to have some knowledge of the things of God. See, a novice can't do that. You have to recognize the things of God. And then for your own purpose, your own uh, benefit, you put it down and represent it as something other than God. That is the unpardonable sin. So relax. Oh, I put down Brother Benny in before. Oh, no, now I can't get to heaven. No. <laughs> but just don't do it anymore. You know better than that now. And, you know, if you don't like Brother Benny Hinn, yeah, that's all right. You don't have to like them, like them all, but love them in the body of Christ. Love, them. love Brother Creflo Dollar. Love Brother Fred Price. Love Brother Copeland. Love Brother Stanley. But thank God for them, too, for all the work that they're doing. They're helping people. They're ministering to people. Even though they may not be ministering the way you'd want to or the way you would, glory to God. They are reaching some people. And we can just be glad about that. Let your tree be good, as he says here. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that every for every idle word men may speak, they will give account on the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Now, this is all really just to lay some, some foundational things for this. But as we said here, a tree is known by its fruit, We've had unclean spirits, we had unclean people, and we had unclean words. He dealt with first unclean spirits, and though we had healing in there too, it was the spirit that was the, the focal point because they attacked the authority. We had unclean people. The Pharisees were unclean people. And then he talks about unclean words. Don't let those unclean words be part. Don't don't be speaking evil of other people. You just don't have anything to do with it. You just don't need to. If you've got something nasty to say about somebody, say it to them. Don't be let it be nasty. Let it be productive. You know, if you see something, then go talk to him about it. The Word of God gives us a, a way and the right to do that. For by your words, he did not say by your actions, did he? He said by your words. For by your words, you will be justified or by your words, you will be condemned. Not by your actions. It's by your words. That's important. Because if we're going to have the right kind of righteousness-mindedness, we have slipped into the area where it is by our actions that we are justified. As long as I produce good enough works, as long as I do what the Word of God says often enough, then, uh, then I'll be justified. No, it's by your words. What words? I believe that Jesus is the Christ. I believe He is the Son of God. I believe He died for me. And I believe he paid the penalty for my, my sin. Those are good words. And those words justify us. That's what we need to do. We recognize the work of the Holy Spirit. And we acknowledge it as the work of the Holy Spirit. And receive it for ourselves. Go over to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 3. Paul writing to Timothy, As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies which cause disputes rather than godly edification which is in faith. Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. Look at this verse. 
the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. You will be hard-pressed to move in the area of sincere faith if you have a problem with your conscience. That's why it's important that you address the things that are in your conscience. We talked about that last time. Just because I believe something to be true that isn't true, it can still hurt me. If I believe that thing to be true and I go against it, my conscience will give me a problem. And we have to pay attention to this conscience thing. How many of you all know that your conscience is your conscience? It's not the Holy Spirit. The Word of God told us, we looked at it last week, brethren, if our, our heart does not condemn us, we have peace before God. That's speaking about your conscience. That is your conscience. Will your conscience convict you of sin that you have no knowledge of? Huh, you don't know what it is. I don't know that that's wrong. So I, I've kept on doing it. But when I find out that it's wrong, then my conscience can get to be bothering me. And this is where we have, a, have an issue. So that's the purpose of the commandment. Love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith, from which some have strayed, having turned aside to, first off, he talks about idle talk. That's the first thing he gets into. You see, you get into this idle words, you get into this meaningless words, you get into this useless words, words that have no profit, you start to begin to wander off. How many of y'all know if you start talking about brother or sister so-and-so, about how they're missing God and not doing things, that's pretty much idle chatter, isn't it? And it'll get you off. Look how he says they got off. From which some, having strayed from a good conscience, they strayed from sincere faith, have turned aside to idle talk. That's one of the first things you will notice. If you notice people who have a continual draw into idle chatter, Gossip about other people. Putting other people down. Putting other ministries down. If you notice that, these are people who have fallen into idle chatter. And what have they gotten away from? According to the Word of God. They've gotten away from love from a pure heart. Well, of course they have. They're out there speaking things they shouldn't be speaking. They've gotten away from love from a pure heart. They've gotten away from a good conscience and they've gotten away from sincere faith. Haven't committed the impartable sin. They're just getting off. Turn to idle, idle talk. Desiring to be teachers of the law. Can you imagine that? People that are into this idle chatter desire to be teachers of the law. Have you noticed that with any of these people? Of course you have, because one of the things that we'll, you'll get into is when you get into this, this mentality, this area of you've gotten away from a good conscience, you've gotten away from sincere faith, and you've gotten away from pure love, you have developed this idea that I am right. And so everyone else who doesn't agree with you is wrong. Therefore, they need to be talked about and put down. That is the forerunner of the idea of the Pharisees. That's a forerunner to it. They haven't gotten involved in it as much as the Pharisees have. The Pharisees got to the point where they would recognize the hand of the Holy Spirit and for fear of what it would do to their crowds, put it down. Not everybody gets to that spot who's into this idle chatter stuff. 
But it's a forerunner to it. You're getting there. They have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teaching the law because no one knows as much as I do. I should be teaching this. People should be learning from me. <laughs> Give Billy Graham some pointers on how to get people saved. Hmm. I'll show Benny Hinn how to get people healed. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, they get up there and they have that. You will not teach Brother Creflo Dollar a thing about prosperity. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Ethel who was sharing with us uh, Brother Fred Price when they were building the uh, Crenshaw Christian Center in one of the poorest neighborhoods. Huge, huge church facility. And one of the things he said was when they, when they built it, he says, no chickens had to die to build this building. Because <laughs> they used to always do the chicken dinners and yeah, chicken dinners and, and doing that. They said, no chickens had to die. I thought that was hysterical. <laughs> no chickens had to die to build this building. <laughs> If she first said it, it went right over my head. I said, what do you mean chickens dying? What are you talking about? <laughs> chickens dying? Oh. <laughs> Boy, that was funny though when I heard the whole thing of what that, that was. Desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. But you can't tell them that, can you? Mm-mm. But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and the insubordinate, for the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers, and if there's anything, any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. So in case anything else is left off this list, put it on there too. <laughs> if it's contrary to sound doctrine, it should be on there. But you know, he's got to conserve paper. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. I'll go a little bit further down over to verse 18. This charge I com commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Isn't that what we're talking about? Reigning in life? Waging the good warfare? According to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Having faith and a good conscience. There we see that theme again. Having faith and a good conscience, which some, having rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck, of which Hymaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan, that they may learn not to... What? Oh. Of whom are these two? He delivered to Satan. So he's, he's got some people out there. and he'll, he'll call them out too. So understand, if these folks, just like Jesus would call out the Pharisees, He would call out these guys. Because they stepped over. You step over into that realm. Get on the other side. That's a different set of rules. And Jesus would expose the Pharisees just as John the Baptist would expose the Pharisees. And let them know. This is, this is not it. Now we're going to go a little bit further down here at 1 Timothy 4. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Are we in the latter times? Some will depart from the faith giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Forbidding to marry 
and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. This is what I want us to focus on here in this one. Having their conscience seared. We must make sure that we do not allow our consciences to be seared. And it is important. I think I put this in your outline. Yep. We'll go over here, the path of a seared conscience. But here, I want you to get this. Even when our conscience is wrong, it should not be ignored. Understand, this is so vital that you understand this. So we're going to spend a little time and make sure that you understand fully what we mean here. Even if your conscience is wrong, you will harm your spiritual development if you ignore it. You cannot do that. Now, let me put it to you this way. If you believe, if you somehow got it on the inside of you that pigs are bad and should not be eaten and that pigs are forbidden meat and someone serves you bacon, you go over to McDonald's and they have the bacon cheeseburger. That's all they've got left. And I can't do the bacon cheeseburger. I can do the cheeseburger. I can't do the bacon cheeseburger. And while well, you look around, no one's here. And you go ahead and eat the bacon cheeseburger. You'll hinder yourself from developing. But is it okay to eat pork? Sure it is. You know why you hinder yourself? Because you believe it to be wrong. And if you believe it to be wrong, you're not doing it in faith, is what the Word of God says. And if you do that with your conscience, your conscience rises up and your conscience is going to convict you on things that you know. But if you do not listen to it, you will get yourself seared to that thing. Just like you can do with anything else. How many of you ever watched those, those uh, guys? I don't know if the gals are out there doing this. I have only seen guys do it. Maybe they're the only ones stupid enough. I don't know. But have you ever seen them? They call them the polar bears. And they go out on the ice in bathing suits and jump in the ice cold water. Do the women, the women get out there too? Dear Lord, I had higher hopes for women. <laughs> I thought it was just men that did stuff like that. Oh, man. I mean, come on. What is it? And they all look forward to it and go and have fun and whatever. And we look at that. And we say, boy, if the water is 60 degrees, how many of you are not going in the water if the water is 60 degrees? That is cold. This is colder than 60 degrees. And when you come out, you're standing on ice. This isn't good. This is not a good situation. It's, it's, it's bad. But they go out there and they do that and they don't stay in the water real long. It's not like they go for you know hour swim or anything like that. They're, they're in and they're out. Hypothermia can still get into them. But what have, what have they done to themselves? They have seared their body that the cold water doesn't seem as cold to them as it does to you and I. Because we don't do that. At least not on a regular basis. <laughs> we're we're kind of uh, used to that. Have a spicy food. You can sear yourself to spicy food, can't you? Because a person who grows up on spicy food can handle spicy food a lot more than someone who grew up on a bland diet. And spicy food doesn't hit the... Why? You get yourself used to it. If you get yourself used to ignoring your conscience, 
you become seared to it. And it's one of the voices that God has given you. Your conscience may not tell you everything that's in the Word of God. It may not even always tell you truth from the Word of God. It tells you truth that you believe. It tells you truth that you have fed it. But even when it is wrong, you should not, not follow it. This is why Paul in the verses we were looking at last week says, if you believe a certain food to be wrong, then you should stay away from it. And your other brothers and sisters around you shouldn't be making you eat it. If you believe that is wrong. You shouldn't do it. Why? Because he understands you're going to seal your conscience. What you have to do is teach yourself and get your conscience to be on the Word of God, based on the Word of God. Once you do that, then, oh, I can go ahead and do that. I can step out. I can, I can eat that bacon cheeseburger. I can be okay with that. This is okay. But you got to do. You can't just ignore it. Don't ignore your conscience. Don't just say, "Well, I should be able to do that," and go ahead and do it. That'll that'll hurt you. Be submitted to it, or bring it into submission to the word. Be submitted to it. Or bring it into submission to the Word. Let me ask you this question. How many of you have a belief and you are pretty strong on that belief, fairly strong at least, on that belief that this is what the Word of God is saying, even though you're not 100% sure that's really what the Bible is teaching? You have one of those? You've got a, a thing in there. You're not quite sure what the Bible is saying, but you think it might be saying this. You ever have a verse of Scripture like that? I'm not sure if that's what it's saying. I think it means this. And because you think it means that, that's where your conscience is going to be based off of. Don't go against it. Stay with what your conscience says. I should give you this example. If you're a young man and you believed I should not date blonde women. <laughs> if that's just one of those things that came up in the inside, I should not date blonde women. Somehow you got that, uh, that belief out there. You know, Bathsheba was a blonde and I don't know if she was or not. I'm just throwing stuff out there to you. <laughs> just having fun with it. But somehow you believe that, then you should not date a blonde woman, should you? Until you re- got yourself fixed on, on that. Of course, your moms and dads are saying, don't date any woman. None. Blonde, brunette, don't matter. Stay away from them all. They're all bad. <laughs> yep. Just like the dads are out there saying, all men are bad to their daughters. All of them. Except me. But all the rest are all bad. (laughs) That's not necessarily true. But that's what you want them to work off of, isn't it? So even though the, the, the teaching is wrong, you still need to follow it or correct the teaching. That's why we say it this way. Be submitted to what you believe or bring it into submission to the Word. You've got to do one or the other. If you cannot bring that belief into submission to the Word, then you need to do what that, word, what that belief of yours is. Otherwise, you sear yourself to your conscience. You look over in, the, in Europe and you see the atrocities that the Soviet Union did to people. You see the atrocities that Germany did to people. You go in other places in the world, Africa, and the atrocities they did, just wiping out villages, wiping out people. How do you get to a place that you can do that? Well, these people have done nothing to you, but you just go in there and start wiping them out and killing them and slaughtering them. How can you do that? 
How many have ever wondered that? I know, I've wondered that. How can you, how can you just go? You see some of these uh, movies that are made in some of the areas of, of Africa and some of the cities they would go into. And how can they just go in there and, and kill all of them? In Vietnam, how could they go in there and, and do all this killing? What did they do? They're not a threat even. But they would go in there and they would just slaughter people. How can you do that? Because they seared their conscience on these other areas. And so even though their conscience should be screaming, no, no, you can't do that. No, they're not listening to it. And that's not good. Don't do that. That's why it's so important. Bring what you believe into submission to the word of God or do what you believe. You can do that. Now, you've got to be careful. I know I have some beliefs on some areas of Scripture. I'm not quite sure. I think the Scripture means this. This is what I think it's saying. I have a belief on that. But I can't necessarily impose that belief on everyone else. But I have to live up to it. i got to do that. You know, like what I was talking about last week. I have a belief that more words are bad words than most people do. That's the belief I have. I don't have chapter and verse for it. I can't go out there and say, thou shalt not say thus and thus a word. But I believe it. I thoroughly believe it. I either bring that into submission to some verse that says that you can go ahead and say that, or I live up to that verse, or up to that belief. And I've just chosen to live up to that belief. But sometimes you hear some of these words that, to me, the way I was raised, they were curse words. Other people just considered them slang words. I can't go out there and say, you sinner. Can I? No, can't do that. That's why we got it. That's why the Bible always teaches this part in here. What he does here in First Timothy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received. Now, forbidding to marry, he's not talking about fathers. That'll sink in in a minute. We're allowed to forbid the marriage, are we not, fathers? You shall not get married. All right. Not talking about fathers, just other people. Fathers have that right. Do mothers have that right? Yes, they do. Okay. All right. And mothers have that right too. So, not talking about fathers and mothers, just other people, besides fathers and mothers. <laughs> Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods. Which God created to be received. Don't go out there and say, you shall, you can't eat that cat. They won't eat cat, go ahead and let them. If they won't eat pig, go ahead and let them. If they won't eat beef, go ahead and let them. If you don't, that's fine. But don't impose this on other people. Because you'll fall into these guys who are speaking in lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. That's the big part. They believe and know the truth. Some people don't know the truth, but they believe it anyway. And that's what you have to deal with. So you've got to get into where you know the truth. And you accept the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Now, I put this here at, your, at the bottom here for you. Apart from a clear conscience, apart from a clear conscience, faith is hindered. If your faith is hindered, your ability to rule and reign in this life 
is also hindered. Being able to rule and reign in this life needs a clear conscience, which means you can't be seared to it. You must listen to it. You must continually educate your conscience on the things of God and build your beliefs off of that and hold to them all the time. If somebody comes up and says, why are you still holding to those laws? Don't you know you can eat pig if you want to? Well, I've heard that. I've seen the things in Scripture. I just, I can't get hold of it yet. I don't get a hold of it yet. So I'm, I'm still going this way. Well, you let that brother go on that way all he wants to and don't you ever throw any kind of pig product in front of him. You let him go. You just honor that. Because that person is trying to live according to their conscience and you better understand they're, they want to rule and reign in life. They want to have a clear conscience so they can stand in faith. You let them go. Alright. You go ahead and do that then. But that person shouldn't be going off and telling everybody else. You all eating pig? Sinners! It's not it. Do you understand the difference? Can you see the things that he's trying to, to get across here? Second Timothy 1 3. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing. I remember you I remember you in my prayers night and day. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience. Paul served God with a pure conscience. It's important that we serve God, folks, with a pure conscience. If you believe the thing to be wrong and you go against it, you hinder your ability to reign in life. It doesn't even matter if the thing is right. What matters is you believe it is. It is also important that you Train your conscience according to the things of the Word of God and not to traditions of men. For the power of God is in His Word, not in the traditions of men. So you want your conscience to be bringing you along in the ways of His Word and not in the ways of traditions. It's so important that we retrain ourselves according to what the Word of God says. Well, I was always taught that was wrong. Well, what does the Word of God have to say about it? Study it out. Check it out. What's it say? Does the Word of God actually say that's wrong? Well, I always thought it was wrong to ask God for healing, for, for certain, that you could know that you... I always thought that was wrong. thought that was prideful. God might have this. Well, that's where your conscience is. But you need to re-educate your conscience on the things of the Word of God. Because it's imperative that you find out. We're going to rule and reign together. We've got to do it with a good conscience. And one that's not seared. So that we have sincere faith. We believe God. Father God, you said it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to stand on it. I'm going to believe it. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father, we thank you. We give you the praise and the glory. Hallelujah. We want to serve you, Father, with a clear conscience. Sincere faith. We want to listen to that voice of conscience you put on the inside of us that tells us what's right and what's wrong. It tells us things based on belief systems that we have. So we always need to be sharpening up our beliefs on the things of your word. There may be times that we hear people say things and teach things and, well, I just don't see that yet. And maybe it's very true, we just don't see that yet. And that's all right. 
We're responsible for what we see and to live up to what we do understand. But we're always supposed to be learning and growing in the things of God. So help us, Father. We thank You for providing us the Holy Spirit who teaches us all things that we need to know. That our actions are based on the Word of God. And a pure conscience is ours to have. So that we can rule and reign in this life. Sickness and disease has no part over us. Demon spirits have no authority when we're near. But we need to stand. And take that, take the reins of our life and rule and reign the way that you told us to. Thank you for the help that you give us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.